0: I invite you to open your Bible today and find with me, or turn it on and find the book of Romans chapter number 6. And so today this is a passage that we're going to look at, Romans chapter 6. Aren't you glad to be here today? Hasn't it been a good day to worship the Lord? And so we're continuing this theme of how shall we now live and thinking about being godly instruments, instruments in God's hands, and how they we be faithful and loyal to the Lord because of all that He has done for us. And so if you look with me to chapter number 6, and remember verse number 12, it says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so, as, so that you obey its lusts. Do not offer any parts of it to sin, as weapons for unrighteousness, but as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God, and all the parts of yourselves to God, as weapons for righteousness. For sin will not rule over you, because you're not under the law but under grace. Hallelujah. In this passage of Scripture today, we're going to look at Paul's call to live a new life. In chapter 6, verse 11, he says, Consider, reckon yourselves dead to sin and alive. Reckon yourself as alive to God in Christ Jesus. So he's reminding us in verse 12, Do not let sin reign in your mortal body. So, three things I want to say. Paul's kind of reminding us. First of all, live free. Secondly, live holy. And thirdly, live loyally. So, we want to look at this text together and see these themes. And first of all, he's telling us that we are to live free. Not to live free and not let sin rule over you. Notice in verse number 12, sin wants to rule It wants to reign in your life. Have you noticed that about sin? Sin wants to rule and reign in your life. Sin wants to get you off track. Whenever you're tempted to sin, it's never for your good. It's never for your benefit. And its intention is to destroy you. There's an internal warfare even after you've become a Christian, isn't there? And that warfare is between the Spirit and your own flesh. And they're at war with one another. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, The flesh desires what's against the spirit. The spirit desires what's against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you can't or you don't do what you want. And so he's saying you've been liberated, you've been set free, but then don't go back because sin wants to have dominance over you. As a matter of fact, in chapter 6, verse 14, it says, Sin will not rule over you. Reminds me of a story from the first book in the Bible, and it's the first children of Adam and Eve. And they have sons, Cain and Abel. And in Genesis chapter 4, we remember that Cain was a farmer type of worker, and Abel was a shepherd kind of worker, they brought their sacrifices to God in worship, and, and the sacrifices of Abel were acceptable to God as he brought the, wor- the animal through a blood sacrifice and offering the fatty portions of that sacrifice as an aroma unto God. But Cain brought from the field and rather from the flocks, and, and it was not acceptable unto the Lord, and he becomes very despondent about that. And the Lord says to him, Cain, he says, do what's right and you will be accepted. But there's rebellion and there's hatred and bitterness that's built up in Cain toward his brother Abel. He says, if you don't do what's right, sin is crouching at the door. It's desirous for you, but you must rule over it. The picture is if sin is crouching at the door, and the sin wants to dominate you. It wants to rule you, but you must rule over it. Because sin wants to destroy you, Cain. And Indeed, Cain rose up against his brother in premeditation, and murders Abel, and finds himself separate from God. You know what? Sin is always a liar. But you have been set free in Jesus Christ to live a brand new life. And sin is still desiring to rule over you. But you've been set free. You are dead to that and you're alive to God. Now live out being alive to God. You're his children. Amen. Sin wants to use your mortal flesh... This body of sin that's susceptible to temptation and lusts and cravings and wants to rule over you. Sin wants to trip you up. Sin wants to dominate you. And the evil forces behind that fleshly sin to set you on the sidelines of ministry, to defeat you, to destroy you, and to disable you with guilt. But God... Wants you to live a different life. Sin wants to kill you. Sin wants to make you useless. But my friends, you have a savior. And he's a liberator. And he loves you. And he gives you life. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. But I've come so that you might have life. And that life abundant and meaningful. Amen. Amen. Just this week I was talking to a man who, had a lengthy conversation, experienced some crisis in his life, and in the middle of the conversation he said, I've just been dominated by guilt and fear and rebellion and sin. And he said, even though I made a profession of faith years ago, and I was baptized years ago, and there was a time that I walked with life, with the Lord. But I got my eyes off of the Lord. I got my eyes on the other people. And I got my eyes on myself. And then I got my eyes on what I thought was, would be satisfying. And I've been in bondage and guilt and defeat for now 30 years. And he says, it's costs me more than I ever would have imagined Amen. we talked for a while went through scripture together and I said do you want to experience God's cleansing and renewal in your life he said pastor I, if God would accept me I want to come home to him and I said he is here today And he can change your life today. Do you want to recommit your life? He said, yes, I do. Will you help me? And I said, I will. And we prayed together. And he gave his heart to the Lord, recommitted his life to him. And it was just like the sense of all of that rolled off and refreshing came from the Lord. His whole countenance was different. That's what God does. Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in his blood. Would you be free from your passion and pride? There's power in the blood. There's power in the blood. Come for a cleansing to Calvary's side. There's wonderful power in the blood would you would you be whiter yes brighter than snow there's power in the blood there's power in the blood sin stains are lost in this life giving flow there's wonderful power in the blood now listen to this last line would you do service for jesus your king there's power in the blood There's power in the blood. Would you live daily his praises to sing? There's wonderful power in the blood. Christ's death isn't just saving power. It's serving power. You have been raised to live a new life. A life unto God. The Holy Spirit has been given unto you to empower you, to comfort you, to guide you, to correct you. If you walk in the Spirit, you'll not carry out the desires of the flesh, Paul says in Galatians. So we are called to live a free life. Chapter 6, verse 12, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. Verse 14 says, for sin will not rule over you. He says, don't let it rain. Don't let it sit on the throne of your heart. The throne of your heart belongs to Jesus Christ. You confess Jesus is Lord. You've called on the name of the Lord. That's the ruling authority in your life. Do not let sin reign where Christ should reign in your life. Do not let it have dominion over you. You shall not have dominion over you. It carries a promise to you. And so it gives you an incentive to how to live out this Christian life. You're not defeated. Don't be discouraged. You are not going to live in obedience to sin. This is not what God has called you to. In chapter number 6 of Romans, verse 16, we'll look at that more next week, but it says, Don't you know that if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you're slaves of that one you obey, either of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. Verse 17, but thank God that although you used to be slaves to sin, you obeyed from the heart that pattern of teaching to which you were handed over. And having been set free from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. Your formerly, your old life, you were slaves to sin. You now have been obeyed and you have now turned to God and you've been set free from sin and you have been set free to righteousness. In Romans chapter 8 verse number 2, listen to the scripture. Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. So in chapter 6 verse 14, sin will not rule over you because you're not under the law but you are under grace. When you live like you're underneath the law, it hooks you and your flesh but you are not under the law. You are under grace. And you are now children of God. And you're not obligated to live to the flesh and according to the flesh. But you're free to live a brand new life. Can somebody say praise God? You don't have to live like you used to do. You're no longer enslaved to sin. I read this week about Dewey Wayne Waddell. Waddell. And uh, uh, Dewey Waddell, they call him Wayne, lives in Marietta, Georgia. Dewey was fine as a pilot in Vietnam. And on the 5th of July, 1967, his plane was shot down by North Vietnamese. And his parachute barely opened and he cascaded to the ground with a thud and survived he just knew that everyone would think that he was dead because of the way the plane went down he was taken as a prisoner of war he said immediately he knew anyone he would meet where he was shot down would be his enemy and wanted to see him dead he was taken as a prisoner of war to what's called the Hanoi Hilton. It wasn't a Hilton. Amen. They tried to force him to confess that his country had committed war crimes. And they'd been forced to be as a criminal for a godless com- for a com- for a country that was doing evil deeds, he was physically, mentally, emotionally abused. So they paraded him back and forth to be interrogated. He was listed as MIA, missing in action, but it was really a POW. One day they were parading him. This picture is seen in papers and magazines today. Paraded through rice fields at the gunpoint of a woman carrying a weapon. He happened to be paraded in front of a bunch of authorities that day. And as he was, there was a film crew from East Germany that was doing a propaganda piece. Remember, East Germany at the time was communist-controlled. And they were doing a piece, and they were calling it Pilots in Pajamas. And it was about these servicemen. He was told to keep his face to the ground, but instead, when he got a chance, he lifted his face to the cameras, hoping that they would take a picture of his face, and somehow that picture might get to his authorities and to his family that he was alive. And indeed that happened. And that piece was shown in East Germany and picked up by the United States officials who saw that the pilot was alive and they took the picture to his family and his family said, that is our son. And his status was moved from MIA to POW. And March 4th, 1973, he was released He said, I can never tell you the joy and the hope that was realized when he was set free from his captors and how his faith had sustained him and Christ's presence had upheld him. He said, it was like I was in a movie and I was a part of the leading role, but I didn't really want to be. He's been back to Vietnam several times. He's amazed at what he sees when he returns to Vietnam the economy, the English that is spoken. He's taken his wife and children with him. He went to the very place that he was held captive. And while he was there with his family, one of the Vietnamese workers said to him, I was an officer in the Vietnam Army when you were in here held captive. What were you thinking? He says, I was thinking I'd sure like to get out of here. That's what I was thinking. He said every day of his life, he's grateful to God for rescuing him. My friends, you were in a worse condition than Wayne. You were locked into your sin without hope and without God. And by the power of God's amazing grace, you were rescued out of bondage and taken out of darkness into light Why in the world would you go back and live for the one who held you captive? Live a holy life. He says not only live free, but live holy. Verse number 13. Do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness. Don't live for sin. Don't take the parts of your body and use them for sin. In verse number 16. Don't you know if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you're slaves of the one you obey? Either sin leading to death or disobedience, or ob- obedience leading to righteousness? He said, don't go back to that. In 1 Peter chapter number 1, verse 14. Do you have your Bible? Look with me. The 1 Peter, chapter number 1, in verse number 14. He says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. He says, but as the one who called you is holy, you are to be holy in all of your conduct. For it's written, be holy because I am holy. Holy means to be set apart to God, set apart to serve God, not to live a profane life a common life, or a sinful life, but live your life for the honor and glory of God because God is holy. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. You be holy because I am holy. Don't live. You've been rescued. You've been saved. You've been liberated. Now live for the one who died for you. Live a holy life, not an unholy life. Thirdly, live loyally. This is related to the same idea. Notice with me, do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness, but as those alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves as weapons for righteousness. He's talking about all of the parts of your body. He said don't present them, don't offer them. This is the language of worship. This is the language of sacrifice. He said, don't offer up to worship with your body parts. Sin. And that's what we do. Whenever we go towards sin, we're offering ourselves in an act of surrender and worship to sin. And we're saying to sin, here I am. I'm here to worship you. No. But present yourselves to God. All of the parts of of yourself as weapons or as instruments of righteousness. Of doing the goodness that God has called us to do. To love and be God's people. Not to do sinful, destructive things. Be loyal to God present as an act of worship to God all of your body, your hands, your heart, your head, your mouth, your words to God as instruments of righteousness. Well, let's talk about those parts. Notice what he says. He's talking about the different parts of your body. Verse 13. And he says, in verse, this end of verse 13, all the parts of yourselves as weapons for righteousness. I want to take just a few minutes and talk about some of those body parts and use them for the glory of God. Number one, your mind. You need to offer your <laughs> offer yourself unto God and to your mind. And a very similar passage to this is found in Romans chapter 12, verse number 1 and 2. Look with me there. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. You offer up your body as a living sacrifice, an act of worship, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. And don't be conformed to this age. Don't live for this age. But be transformed. How? By the renewing of what? Your mind. That you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. He said, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Not a dying sacrifice, a living sacrifice. And the first part that he talks about is your mind. What occupies your mind? What does your mind dwell on? The thoughts of your mind. John Stott, a great theologian and author and preacher, said that we live in an age of mindless Christianity. But your mind matters. Worship God with your mind. Think about your faith. Have a quest for holiness. Pray for God's guidance feast on God's word. Listen to what he says. Has God not spoken to us? Shall we not listen to his words? Has God not renewed our minds? And shall we not think with it? Is God going to judge us by his word? Shall we not be wise and build our house upon it? What do you read? What occupies your mind? What is it that you listen to? Don't be mindless about the things of God. But think on these things. Think deeply about what it means to follow Christ. What it means to be a son of God. What it means to be redeemed. What it means. And live a changed life. Amen? Not only with your minds, but with your eyes and with your ears, with your senses. Surrender them to God. In first John, chapter number two. 1 John chapter number two, beginning with verse number 15. First John chapter two, this 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, now listen, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of one's possessions, it's not from the Father, but from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away. But the one that does the will of God remains forever. Amen. Don't let your passion in life be about when you see things, when you hear things, when you sense this world that we live in and and the affections and passions and things that the world says are valuable. They're not valuable. Not really. The love of the world When you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. It is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of your possessions. These things are passing away. They will not live. Flesh and pride lies to you. And this is the lie that they tell you. If you have this, I'll be happy. If I experience this, I'll be happy. If I owned this, I'd be happy. If I live in that house, I'd be happy. If I had this, I'd be happy. But it's all just a lie after lie after lie. If I could just be married, I'd be happy. If we could just have kids, I'd be happy. If the kids would ever leave, I'd be happy. <laughs> just lying. Because your happiness is not found in stuff it is in Jesus. And the Lord will never allow you to be happy with stuff. Amen. I'll tell you why. Because you've displaced his rightful place in your heart by stuff. Amen. And when you seek to be satisfied by stuff, you'll end up empty and you end up in bondage. But seek ye the Lord. Seek him in his righteousness. Amen. Because that's where the life is found. I meet people all the time. They save. They're frugal. They hoard. They invest. They calculate how much I have. And then when they get older, they're still afraid to spend. They still are hoarding. They're still calculating. They're still hanging on. At the end of life, the world's riches have held them. Psalm 39, David said, he amasses riches but doesn't even know who will gather them. You leave it all. My friends, I have to relate to wealth, and I have to relate to riches, and relate to money. We all do. We all have to pay our bills. We all have to dwell. We have to live. We have to provide for ourselves. Got to, we, don't, we want to be able to take care of ourselves in our old age and not be dependent on our kids. I, 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 I get all that. But how much is enough? When I leave this world, my mission isn't to s- that I won the game, whoever has the most stuff at the end. When I die, I hope that I've used all of the resources that I have to advance God's kingdom as much as possible. I want my, I want. I want to be a good steward. Yes, but I want to steward all that I have for the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. The loss of the world can get inside of your heart, bring destruction in your life. In the book of Joshua, chapter number seven, the children of Israel had taken Jericho and God had delivered Jericho into their hand. God said, I don't want you to keep any of this spoil for yourself. And I want you to keep yourselves from these things. They're set apart for destruction. But there was one man by the name of Achan, the son of Carmi, who took and he hid and he lied to his friends, his family, his neighbors. And when it was found out by God's direction that it, the sin came from, and the defeat of Ai was because of sin of the, nation, the children of Israel, and the, God pointed out that the sin was con- done by Achan. Achan said when he confessed, When I saw among the spoils... A beautiful cloak from Babylon and five pounds of silver and a bar of gold worth a pound and a quarter. I coveted it and I took it and he concealed it. And they spread it all out in front of the company. So everyone could see, for this, for this, for this, a man gave up his whole family and life and witness. For this, all of Israel was defeated. For this, a robe and a bar of gold. For this. And at the end of your life. When we all give an account of how we've lived. And the stuff that we thought was so important. When it's laid out. For this. For this you didn't serve me. For this. You didn't obey me. For this. Really For this, you cause trouble on your own soul and your own family and your own church. Thirdly, our tongues. In James chapter number three. Our mouth and our tongues, this little bitty body part right here that's between your teeth, your tongue that forms words. How destructive it can be. Amen? In James chapter 3, listen to what the scripture says. The tongue is a small part of the body. It boasts great things. Consider how small fire sets ablaze a large forest. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue is a world of unrighteousness. It's placed among our members. It stains the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Wow. In verse number eight, nine, it says, but no one can tongue the tame, uh, tame the tongue. It is, it is a restless evil. That's a word twister there. No one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth, My brothers and sisters, these things should not be that way. Amen. With the tongue, we bless, we worship. With the tongue, we can encourage and build up. With the tongue, with our words, we can instill hope. With our words, we can tell the gospel. With our words, we give words of healing and life and hope and light. But with our words, we can curse, we can tear down, we can destroy, we can injure. We can disparage and we can damage. So how will it be? We've been given the greatest news in all the world. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. When the Spirit has come upon you, you shall be my witnesses, you have the opportunity to use your tongue to witness to the glory of God in this lost world. To preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. To tell sinners that God loves them and that Christ died for them. You can tell the world of the glory of God. You can encourage and build up and sing praises to almighty King Jesus with your words or you can tear down You can gossip, you can slander, you can tattle, you can lie, you can spin the truth, and you can discourage, you can pour water, you can cause others to stumble, or with your words, you can witness. You can teach, you can preach, you can praise, you can encourage, you can build up, you can give hope. The difference is what's in your heart. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Use your words for the glory of God. Our hands and our feet. These parts, don't use them as instruments, as weapons of unrighteousness. How you live your life, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. 1 Thessalonians 4 says how to live your life. He says seek to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business. Some of y'all need to underline that right there. To work with your own hands as we commanded you. This is the kind of life, verse number 12, that you may behave properly in the presence of outsiders, not to be dependent on anyone. Take care, take care of your own business. Work hard. Use your, body, your hands and your feet. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28 and 29. Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he's to do honest work. How? With his what? Own what? Say it with my, with his own what? With his hands. So that he has something to share with anyone in need. Will you do that? Verse 29. I don't think I I have that on the screen, no. Listen, Listen to what he says. Do your honest work with your own hands so you can share it with others. He says, use your body. Romans chapter 10. The passage in verse number 14 and 15. Listen to the scripture. He says, How then shall they call on him who they've not believed? And how shall they believe without hearing about him? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they're sent? Now, listen to this. As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Let your feet bring good news. Be a missionary where your feet are planted. Wherever you're living, wherever you're walking, wherever you're doing business, be a missionary where you live. So wherever your feet are, you be a missionary. That's a great reminder to me. When I'm walking into the convenience store to get a cup of coffee or a Coke, I walk into that convenience store. I'm a missionary where I'm at. You're a missionary where you are. Be loyal with your life. Use your life as instruments, as weapons for righteousness and not unrighteousness. Don't betray the mission of the church. Be loyal to what God has called you to do. My son, my, my daughter's sons uh, live in Michigan. And Ezra, Christy, how, how old is Ezra? Six. And Isaac's four? All right. I knew I'd get that wrong. Ezra's six, and now he's playing on a little league t-ball team. And Valerie sent me a video of that the other day, and Christy, and it's so funny. So it was one of his first games, and he, he was in his little uniform, and he hit the ball and hit it just... It looked like his grandpa. I mean, he's a slugger. And so uh, hit he hit, hit the ball. Good. And he's running to person. Bow's yelling, go, go, Ezra, run, 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 Ezra, run. And little Isaac said, right there, she goes, Isaac goes, go. And he starts to say Ezra. And then he goes, go, blue team, go, go, blue team, go. And Valerie you see, she goes, we're the white team. He goes, I like blue. I'm for the blue team. So he kept chanting the whole time, Go Blue Team Go! Well, that's kind of funny when it's a kid, but it's not funny when it's real stuff. When you're an Absalom, when you're undermining, when you switch sides and you fight for the enemy. You become a Benedict Arnold, a Judas, a betrayer. Just imagine for me, and bear with the sports in that illustration. Just imagine, I love watching Cardinal baseball, and if you're in for another team, just bear with me. And so they're playing the Pittsburgh Pirates today and just imagine Yachty's behind the plate and just imagine that Yachty decides he's going to defect and be for the other team. And so he's kneeling behind the plate and the pitcher's throwing the ball and Yachty says, I'm defected in his heart. And so he says to the batter, Miles is getting ready to pitch and it's a changeup. And it's going to be right in the middle of the plate. Just thought you'd want to know. And indeed he throws the change up. And it's right in the middle of the plate. And the guy launches the ball over the wall. And when he rounds third, Yachty's clapping. And he scores. And he's high-fiving him. Because he switched teams. You say, that ain't going to happen. No. But can you imagine, after, after that, he takes off his cardinal shirt. And underneath is a pirate's uniform. Well, I want you what you do. Is that you've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. And he's cleansed you from all of his sin. And he's you, clothed you in the robes of Christ. Why would you present yourself as an instrument of unrighteousness? Why would you lay aside the clothes of sonship and put on the clothes of slaveship? And put back on death rags instead of your grace clothes? And why would you wear the uniform of death and hate and yield yourself again to an enemy when Christ has loved you? Paul is making this very point. We are at war. We are in a struggle that has eternal consequences. Let's live strong. And loyal for the glory of God. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, 27. Don't you know that the runners in the stadium all r- race, but only one received the prize? Prize run in such a way to win the prize. Next verse. Now everyone who competes, exercises, self-control in everything, they do it, receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable. So I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body, bring it under strict control, that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Amen. Second Timothy Timothy 4, verse 7. Paul said, I fought the good fight, I finished the course, I have kept the faith. I will not yield my body as instruments of unrighteousness. Amen. Amen. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. It's powerful, it's true. It's so instructive and transformative. Lord, if there's somebody here today that doesn't know Christ as Savior, I pray that today they might trust him. If there's someone here who's wandered away, I pray that they might come home in repentance to him. Lord, you know our needs and our hearts. And right now in this moment, we call on your name. God help us. God, save us. And everyone who calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen.